Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report. I'm Todd Burlidge. I will be your host today. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated and blueandgold.com. I do some work for UND.com. The show, as always, is brought to you by Dio McComan's Son Funeral Home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They've been with us for a long time, and we certainly appreciate it. A lot to get to. You wouldn't think so with everything kind of shut down. It's like a ghost town around here. We're going to talk about coronavirus. Finally, 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 Brian Kelly gave a solid date. I've been waiting for this. Brian Kelly gave a solid date on if we're going to have a football season in full and on schedule on when that needs to begin going to talk to Evan Sharpley about that. He's going to explain exactly what goes into the weeks before training camp actually starts. And also Mike Singer, recruiting insider from bloomgold.com. Oh, he's going to talk about actually a new commit today, actually just right before the show. A couple misses for Notre Dame this week as well. Been a little bit of a busy recruiting week. Mike's going to break all that down and also sort of the impact that everything being shut down, travel, etc. is having on the recruiting world. And also, I had an exclusive interview this week with Mike Bray, obviously Notre Dame men's basketball coach. We talked about a lot of topics, uh, the season being canceled prematurely, the slow start for his team, and then a 9-4 and four finish. Now his players are all dispersed all over the country, and even in Canada, for that matter. But I thought the most important part that I wanted to bring up today is Mike Bray told me he's coming back, and he wants to fulfill his contract until 2025. I do have an interview to pop in a little bit later, but if we're going to do all that, we better get going on some blue gold nuggets, and I have a bunch of those, too. I have a five-pack here. Let's see, where to begin? A couple NFL notes here. Sheldon Day formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, was actually a defensive line starter there for the Super Bowl team. He's back in Indianapolis, where he's from, with the Colts. Um, he, let's see, he was a fourth-round selection in 2016 of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bounced around a little bit there, and then was three years with the 49ers. Actually kind of carved his niche immediately as a defensive line rotation member, and then eventually a starter. On the same note, Tyler Eifert, 2013 draft pick, seven years with the Cincinnati Bengals, he's out of there. He's going to be with the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Signed a two-year free agent deal. Eifert, 2015, he had a great year, 13 touchdowns. He's been kind of banged up and dinged up ever since. Still a great player, a lot of promise. He will now be a Jacksonville Jaguar, so a little bit of NFL news there. As far as the Heisman watch, Ian Book is actually on it. Uh, BetOnline.com list Ian Book as the number six odds-on Heisman Trophy candidate at twenty to one. Justin Fields, Ohio State's quarterback, is the front runner four to one. Trevor Lawrence, Clemson's quarterback, number two at five to one. Then Spencer Rattler, he's going to be your new quarterback in Oklahoma. He's ten to one. Sam Ellinger, a quarterback at Texas, twelve to one. Chubba Hubbard, running back, Oklahoma State, sixteen to one. Ian Book again, number six, Notre Dame, twenty to one. And for what it's worth, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback from USC, is right behind Book in the number seven slot at twenty-five to one. Among all the other cancellations and everything that went on this week, the Olympics were ditched, and it, it really did impact some Notre Dame athletes here. Let me run down the list here. Notre Dame already had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five athletes have their tickets punched. Um, Sam Grew, he was a Paralympic athlete, high jumper. Actually, he's the world record holder. He was going to be the front runner to take gold in this event. 
All this was in Tokyo. Molly Seidel, Marathon, and then three fencers, Mariel Zagunas, Garrick Meinhardt, and Lee Kiefer, three fencers, previous uh, all Notre Dame grads there. They were all set to go, had their tickets punched to Tokyo. All of those are wiped away at this point. Hopefully that's just a delay. That's the plan, 2020 to 2021, so these folks can train and still get in there. Um, For what it's worth, the Rio Games in 2016, Notre Dame athletes claimed six medals, including Amanda Polk, who won gold in rowing. CBS put out its mock draft, CBS.com, and five Notre Dame players. I was a little bit surprised that none of them were a little bit higher than they were, but they have five Notre Dame players projected in the first three rounds. They actually have Julian Aquara, defensive end, going in the second round. Cole Komet in the third round. I'm having a little bit of a trouble with that. Cornerback Troy Pride Jr. in the third round. Chase Claypool in the third round as well, wide receiver. I'm not seeing that either. And finally, Khalid Kareem, third round as well. So they have one second rounder, four third round picks. I don't think that's going to hold up, but I thought I'd share it with you. And finally, the Notre Dame Minute was launched. I guess look for it on Tuesdays, the Notre Dame Minute. It's Brian Kelly. He's going to just spend, well, I guess in a minute, just sharing the inside of what's going on in Notre Dame. Right now, with everything shut down, just going to give his insights. I like it. Kind of keep the fans engaged. Keep everybody engaged. Let us know what's going on. So the Notre Dame Minute, you can Google it. Again, it came out this past Tuesday. Find it at a internet near you. All right. Those are your blue gold nuggets, folks. Let's get to Corona here. Got to do it. Don't want to do it. 2020 football season, in my opinion, given timelines and whatnot, is very much in jeopardy. How could it not be? Okay. And I base this on a couple things. I'm I'm trying to, this is a little bit of a Corona lesson from very much a novice. Okay. But I was looking at the China timeline. Okay. That's where it all broke out. Uh, That was December through March. They're starting to get back to regular business here. So I'm calling it four months, December through March. And that's if you can believe their leaders on the timeline. United States broke out in February. So that would put you February through May. Four months again, if you can believe our leaders. Okay, why is this important? Because Brian Kelly won on the Scott Van Pelt show on ESPN and said July 1 is absolutely the drop dead date if we're going to have a regular full football season. Okay, so we're talking about through the end of May here, using the China timeline, that only gives you one month to get to full normalcy. China and the United States are both 3.7 million square miles, okay? So they're almost identical in size. China's cities are all clustered on its east coast. And the folks there took a much heavier hand when it came to locking people down. I guess, but my point is, when you look at China, it was very isolated, very controlled. When you look at America, big cities all over, coast to coast, I just think it's going to take a little bit longer to play its course here in the United States. I hope I'm wrong. I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer that a lot of people have accused me of being. I'm trying to be a realist. Here's that clip from Brian Kelly talking about how it it has to be July 1. Look, there's going to be a date where we all, as college football administrators and coaches, come up with a date where, from a player safety standpoint, we have to say this is the date 
that we can live with to get these young men physically conditioned and ready to go into camp. To me, I think July 1. I mean, if, if you can't start training your football team by July 1, you're going to need at least four weeks. Strength and conditioning coaches are going to want six. You know, sports medicine is, is probably looking at, you know, four to six weeks. Uh, I think the, real, the, the realistic goal here is minimum of four weeks of, of conditioning before you put them in camp. You know, college football is going to be affected uh, if we're not playing in 90 days in terms of the conditioning element in getting these young men ready. So we bring in Evan Sharpley. Thanks for joining us. Evan, you would be the guy to talk to when Brian Kelly said, look, if we're going to start this football season, I need to do it by July 1. And a lot of people are thinking, well, what's the big deal? Just start training camp and go. But Brian Kelly emphasized the importance of really at least, at least a month that he and his entire staff will need even before training camp begins. Evan, what goes on in that month before you even open camp? Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, he's being generous. You know, that's the the very last date that he'd be able to make that happen. And um, really what it is is it's, you know, it's a, it's a time period where um, you're able to acclimate your body. You know, when I hear that date, um, you know, I, I know what's going through his head is it's, it's more to do with the strength and conditioning side, the injury prevention side, not even really the the football side of things, just to get those guys ready for training camp and then actually the actual season. So what they're missing out on right now is, you know, the, the spring and the winter, winter springtime is really important to get guys strong um, and build the foundation that then continues through the summer and then obviously in, in the fall as well. So they're missing out on that right now. You know, guys are doing as much as they can, given the circumstances. Um, you know, if they have access to a home gym, but not every guy is going to be in the same boat. So that's the tough part. Um, and then, obviously, in the summer, too, I mean, they're still going to be limited. Even if, you know, even if they do get the green lights, say, in June um, and latest by July, you know, we're still only talking about really four weeks or so before you would start focusing solely on the football side of things. Right. So when I hear that, for me, the big thing that's missed is the, the strength side. And Notre Dame's done a great job the last few years of decreasing the amount of soft tissue injuries. Um, and I think a, a large reason for that was some changes in their strength and conditioning that now they're going to be missing out on. So when I hear Brian Kelly say that date, what I, what I hear is, you know, we, we really got, I mean, we'd have to push these guys pretty hard um, as far as getting them in the weight room and getting them ready to go just to get to, say, a September start date. Well, even Mike Bray said when I was talking to him, he said for us basketball guys, it's really easy. You can go find a hoop somewhere, shoot around. The strength and conditioning is not as rigorous. He even he referenced it. He said these football guys, they have to have their body of armor, their suit of armor ready to go. Is that kind of where you're coming from when you're saying that's what those four weeks are all about? What's kind of crazy is, you know, these guys really, they go from going year-round to now they don't really know what they're doing right, right now. You know, they're not in that schedule. You know, during the spring, it was probably you know, the, the toughest part of training was that spring and then into the summer um, that now could potentially be be missed. So again, for me, a lot of it has to do with just getting their bodies ready. Um, they're going to be completely kind of thrown off of schedule. Now, I, I don't think what's going to happen is, um, let's say they do get the green light, they are able to you know, uh, practice and play by that date that Brian Kelly was talking about. I don't think that the, the actual 
football side of things is going to be affected all that much. Okay. Um, the the level of play, I think, you know, the NCAA will probably add some practices for the teams in the summer to take advantage of and and on ramp. It's again more for me. It's the injury side of things. Um, that's that that would be my biggest worry is these guys, their bodies not being ready after taking so much time off and not having um, that suit of armor. Well, let's certainly hope there is a 2020 football season. Um, there's even been some already preliminary talk that maybe it'll be shortened, this and that. Let's just hope we can get in there by July 1 and get this thing moving. Talking to Evan Sharpley. Evan, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It's great insight from somebody who really knows what you go through during those times. You can reach Evan Sharpley on Twitter, at Evan Sharpley. No, no dots or dashes there. Does a lot of work for WSBT Radio, 96.1. Does some stuff with Sean Styers. Evan, I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Stay safe. All right, you too, my friend. Well, that's coming from the guy that knows better than anybody. And you, you can tell a lot of people are thinking, well, if you just start training camp, then away you go. There's so much more that goes into it than just training camp. So that is your corona talking point. I want to get into recruiting. It was a pretty busy week. I advertised him at the beginning of the show, Mike Singer. He's the recruiting insider for blueandgold.com, does a great job, a member of the Rivals Network. Boy, everything else is shut down, but still a lot going on in recruiting, especially this week. Some big news, actually, just before we started this show. Notre Dame got a new recruit, a defensive lineman, David Abiara, right? Am I saying that right? Yes. Yep, David Abiara. Yeah, it's about 6'4", 240, 250 pounds um, from Mansfield, Texas Legacy High School, just outside of Dallas. He committed to Notre Dame over schools like Alabama, Baylor, LSU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. This is a guy who could play strong side end or the Viper spot. And this is a guy who uh, Notre Dame's really targeted hard. Um, they only offered him two months ago, close to the day, actually. Um, and then uh, a week after he got the offer, he visited Notre Dame. This was now February 1st with his visit. Coming off that visit, he felt strongly about wanting to commit to Notre Dame. He decided to hold off a little while, and now a month and a half later, um, with, with all the coronavirus shutting down visits, he wanted to see schools like Alabama and LSU, and the two Oklahoma schools are very involved as well. Um, his sister goes to Texas A&M, and they're involved. But with everything being shut down, it actually helps Notre Dame a little bit that he wasn't able to see those schools. It if none of this happened and he was able to visit others, um, which he was going to also visit Notre Dame for that March 20 weekend, I, I still think he would have ended up in Notre Dame. His mom loved the academics uh, and, and the presentation there. So this guy wants to um, major in business, and, and obviously um, you, you can't beat that at Notre Dame. And um, so, so the fit at Notre Dame on and off the field is going to be great. This is definitely a Notre Dame-type kid. I was um, in the Dallas area uh, about three weeks ago. We got to meet him in person. Blown away by him. His coaches had great things to say about him. So, uh, all in all, a great pickup for Notre Dame. Yeah, it sounds like it also sounds like, you know, even though when you look at the ratings on the surface, they don't blow you off the board, there's a lot of room for him to improve, it sounds like, Michael. Yeah, I mean, the ratings are a funny thing. It's like uh, you got a three-star, but he's got Alabama and LSU. Right. You're like, oh, Notre Dame's not recruiting at a top-five level. <laughs> getting a three-star. But then Notre Dame will get a four-star, like a guy uh, we'll mention or we'll talk about soon. When Notre Dame got Deion Colsey, um, he was a four-star, but his offer list, he only had like eight or nine offers. So Notre Dame fans might be like, oh, he doesn't have all the big offers. This is like... <laughs> it's, it's recruiting. It's a crapshoot a lot of times. You don't really know what you're getting. Um, 
But uh, Alviara, I mean, Rivals does rank him as a, a 5.73 star, which means um, he's just on the cusp of four-star status, so he's just right below there. And the guys at Rivals have told me, basically, we just want to see him in person uh, before we, we get him to that four-star status. And this was well before he committed to Notre Dame. So, so they're really keeping an eye on him um, as a guy who really is a four-star prospect in my mind. But, um, but this is the guy who Notre Dame really, really wanted at the defensive end spot uh, in the 2021 class. And, and they're still going to recruit other DNs, but I really do think this is the guy that Mike Elston and company wanted the most. Talking to Mike Singer, he's Blue and Gold Illustrated's recruiting insider, blueandgold.com as well, obviously. Okay, you referenced Deion Colsey. He was kind of a big-time recruit, wide receiver from Georgia. Always a little bit of a tough land for Notre Dame to draw out of, although they seem to be improving a little bit in that territory. How big of a loss is Colsey when he drops off that recruiting list? It, it hurt. Um, I mean, Notre Dame had Colsey. You, he, he's living in Athens, so he's in the backyard of Georgia. And then Notre Dame's other receiver, Commit Lorenzo Stiles, played at Ohio State, and, and they live right there in the backyard of the Buckeyes, uh, just outside of Columbus. So it, it's tough to hold on to those kind of guys. Colsey made a, a real early commitment, making that pledge um, last October. So it's not a major shock that he decommitted. You know, he wants to feel out the process. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, he didn't have a ton of offers while he was recruited. It was a less than 10. The day he decommits from Notre Dame, he picks up like three or four new offers. You know, Michigan, <laughs> Minnesota, right. Oregon, like all these new offers, Penn State offers, all these start pouring in. So he can kind of experience the process. But I wouldn't count out Notre Dame for him. The SEC schools, um, especially Georgia, are going to be tough to beat, but I think if mom was making the decision, it'd be Notre Dame again. Um, so I, I really wouldn't count out the Irish. Are you at all worried about Styles? Uh, he's pretty firm, but if you're asking my opinion, if I'm worried a little bit, I think you're worried. I mean, everyone says that you're, you're worried about all the guys until they sign. Sure. But I mean, Drew Pine, the quarterback commit last season, uh, or last year, I should say, when you know, Chip Long leaves, or if Tommy Reese would have got another job, you wouldn't be worried about Drew Pine. There's just some guys who just know they're going to Notre Dame. It doesn't matter who the coach is, as long as they're wearing blue and gold, you know, or, or green, they're they're good. They're going to Notre Dame. With Styles, I do think he's firm, but he's talking. I know he's talking to other schools. Um, so whenever that's the case, you're a little bit concerned. Uh, and of course, the Ohio State ties. Um, I don't think you, you could ever feel 100% comfortable until he signs in a national letter of intent. Right there in his own backyard. Okay, another sort of a hit. Um, and tell me, did you think that Landon Tangwell, the, the fine offensive lineman, he ends up going to Penn State. Mike, when we talked last week, you had mentioned some of these guys with the coronavirus going on that weren't able to attend that March weekend, that, that uh, recruiting weekend, the big one up here and might have a tough time getting to campus, period. Meanwhile, you mentioned that Tangwell had been to Penn State, what, five, six times? He ends up committing to the Nittany Lions. Probably not a huge surprise, but is that a sign of things to come? How do you read the Tangwell to Penn State thing? Was that kind of expected for you? Notre Notre Dame fans that are are rocking these roundtables, our premium message board name at bloomandgold.com, and fans are really upset when when Tangwell committed to Penn State. And this is how I, I... Gave a little analogy. It's like when you eat a sour gummy worm, are you now mad that you ate that your sour gummy worm is sour? It's like Tangwall has visited Penn State, 
half a dozen times. He hasn't visited the Notre Dame in a year. I, I, I don't know. When the coronavirus forced Kangwall to cancel the March 20 weekend visit and the April 3rd official visit, uh, what, what do you expect? He, he's announcing between Penn State and Notre Dame. Of course he's going to go to Penn State. He hasn't been to Notre Dame in a year. I mean, it would be really tough to commit to a place that you haven't seen since, you know, a, a year. Uh, um, so I, I get the frustration um, that Notre Dame fans want to get a guy that they've been uh, that the staff's been working on for um, a long time. But I said, look, it, it was just impressive that Notre Dame was in the final two, all things considered. He visited Michigan last fall, and it was a top three of Michigan, Notre Dame, and Penn State. He eliminated Michigan and just had a top two of Notre Dame and Penn State, which would just showed you, um, even though he was able to go to Michigan, he liked Notre Dame more. Uh, and the coaching staff did, at Notre Dame did a better job at Michigan. Of course, you know, second and third place, it doesn't really matter if you don't get the kids. Sure. Still, I mean, I just didn't really understand the outrage and the sky is falling from from some Notre Dame fans that they lost out on Tangwall. But, you know, there was a lot of social media hype in that recruitment. Um so I understand why Notre Dame fans were, were kind of getting excited that they thought they were going to get him. But, um, you know, it's recruiting. He was going to Penn State. Yeah, you suggested kind of all along that it was definitely a Penn State lean. Just a couple more for me, Mike. Talking to Mike Singer, Blue and Gold Recruiting Insider, blueandgold.com, Rivals Network. Okay, I want to just kind of get your broad take on what's happening in the recruiting world with Corona any trends you see coming, be it for Notre Dame or just nationwide. And also, I think when we talked last week, we talked about Tangwell and his sort of familiarity with Penn State. You also mentioned Will Shipley and his familiarity with Clemson. So I want you to tie Shipley into the broad picture of what this looks like under Corona Cloud. Those two recruitments are a little bit similar in that Tangwell visited Notre Dame once and Penn State a bunch. And Shipley, who we think has a top two of Clemson and Notre Dame, and UNC is also in the picture. Mac Brown's done a really good job. Stanford he really likes. Um, NC State, his parents went there. But all the insiders pretty much think, including me, it's, it's Clemson or, or Notre Dame. It's been that way for two or three months. But he, he's been to Clemson a few times. Clemson is, man, I don't I don't think it's more than an hour and a half from Charlotte, sure. um, where, where Shipley's based. But the feeling is for Shipley that he really does want to get to Notre Dame before he makes a decision. And Shipley does get back to Notre Dame, but also you got to factor in, well, when the heck could that be? Um, so there's a lot of unanswered questions. Um, I go back and forth um, between Notre Dame and Clemson for Shipley. Um, you know, the, both schools make a lot of sense for different reasons. Um, so I, I would say it's a toss-up right now. Talking to Michael Singer. Michael, I appreciate your time. Tell folks where they can find you, how they can find you, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Blueandgold.com. Like we've mentioned a few times, uh, you can use promo code IRISH60 to get a 60-day free trial um, of all of our premium information. And uh, our message board, um, make me, make, they make me pull my hair out sometimes, but they're, <laughs> they're a good group of a good active community of Notre Dame fans. Practice your social distancing on our premium message board. You can communicate with thousands of Notre Dame fans, but also not have to shake their hand. So uh, it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah, indeed it is. Yeah, Rockney's Roundtable made me shave my head, Michael. All right, my friend, we'll talk <laughs> soon. 
Uh, got a lot going right. on coming up this week, so appreciate your time, and we'll chat soon, man. Anytime, Todd. Good stuff from Mike, as always. If, if nothing else stays busy, I think the recruiting world from a distance and electronically will stay plenty busy. All right, finally, this week I had a chance to catch up with Mike Bray, Notre Dame head men's basketball coach, always a gracious guy, really appreciated. Chatted with him for about an hour, got a few stories out of it. But the question I really wanted to know is, 20 years, when Mike Bray takes the sidelines next season for the 2021 season, he will become the longest tenured coach in Notre Dame men's basketball history. George Keegan from way back when and Digger Phelps both lasted 20 years. So this will be Bray's 21st year. He'll become, he'll, he'll join the top of the list as he's already there for most winning as coach. So you just wonder, when you get into that late into your career, Mike Bray is 61 years old. I mean, do you still have the energy? And that's what I wanted to know. There's a lot, you saw him melt down after the Florida State game, the Florida State loss at Florida State. When he went off on ACC officials, he again, Florida State, he was disappointed and skipped a radio interview that he hasn't done in 20 years here. You saw the frustration at times, so you wonder if he still has the energy, still has the desire to carry on. So here's what I gleaned from Mike Bray on that topic. 20 years is a long time, and there were a couple times this season, I have to admit, I kind of look like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but uh, you're still into this. You know, it, it is worth my while to finish this contract on a lot of fronts and, and one would be financially, you know, how this thing is set up. I have every intention to finishing this thing out and get into 2025. And, and I think at that point, I'm not saying I wouldn't coach again, but maybe you're not coaching here anymore. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you're, maybe you're not doing that. You go through the punches of coaching in this league and the ups and downs. And of course I wear, I, I definitely wear my stuff on my sleeve. I don't think I ever sugarcoat stuff. I'm right. pretty, I'm pretty upfront with our guys. And I think with you guys, and that's the, always how I've played it. You know, again, I get back to, you know, I had three people from the NCAA office, two vice presidents text me about our senior day. They watched those three guys get up and speak. Right. Watching your senior day reminds me of why we do this. Mm. You know, the big picture mission here always can keeps you refreshed at the end of the day, especially when you take punches or you're disappointed in wins and losses. Five guys getting degrees, and they're going to get them virtual graduation, but we got five guys graduating. You know, watching them interact with each other and play the right way and hang in there and bounce back after taking big punches, yeah, that kind of energizes you as the leader. And, and so it's worth my while on a lot of fronts, financially energized, not being bored, to finish, finish, the, pro, finish the race uh, when this thing ends, I think, in 2025. Mike, I think the coaching would always be enjoyable, even through all the ups and downs. I would get tired of the recruiting. I feel like your recruiting energy is where it needs to be. I really do. I mean, I think, I think you know, it's something we do every day. I still am really energized about it. I know from looking around, when recruiting changes, when, when the energy in recruiting changes from the head guy, that's usually the end of it. And I've always said to myself, when I, if I lose that wanting to compete recruiting-wise, I'll be the first one to get out because then that's a sign. And I've seen guys try to hang on too long when they've tried to uh, delegate recruiting. And we've dogfighted a lot and we've lost at the buzzer just like we've lost games and sure. we'll continue to do it. And, and our recruiting's a little, it gets, it gets a little bit, you know, surgical 
what, how we do it with, you know, who, who's a good fit for this place academically and the culture. And, you know, the pool is always a little smaller to pick from. I still got the energy to do it and we've got to be creative with it. Appreciate Mike Bray. As always, it was a great interview, great talk. I've been covering him his whole time here. So we forged not only a relationship from media to coach, but I think a bit of a friendship as well. And I certainly respect that. And I respect him, and I'm a huge supporter. I think given what he's up against here, recruiting-wise and everything else, I think he has done a fabulous job, as good as you're going to get. And his peers think he is every bit as good as what he really is. Folks, guess what? Busy show, good show, I hope. We're out of time. Again, be safe. Stay put when you can. Thank you to Dio McComan Sons for their support on this show. They're our, our fine sponsors. We'll talk to you again next week. Just when I think not much is going to be going on, there's a lot going on. So be safe, y'all. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.